Hello and welcome to the next edition of the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name is Dan Huff and I'm Secretary of Twickenham Cricket Club. Um, very pleased to be welcoming two of our regular contributors uh, with me this evening. First up, we have Salman Ali from North London. Hi, Sal. Hi, good evening, Dan. How are you? Are you OK? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, I'm surviving. Good, good. Well, that's uh, very apt in, in this day and age, uh, as we are all trying to do at the moment. Um, also with us, Eugene Berger from, from Twickenham as well. How's things, Eugene? you OK? Hi, Dan and Sal. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Good to have you fully on board, Eugene. Um, just going to start by, it's been a while since we had a pod. Obviously, um, it is the close season for us, us here in the UK. And, um, you know, the, the, there's been cricket on, but um, we, we've, we've kept a relatively low profile. One of the reasons we've done that is, of course, um, you know, p- people do other, other things in the winter as well. Sal, you're a, you're a racing and football man, aren't you? You've been, that's been keeping you occupied, am I right in saying that? Yeah, last week was taken by the Cheltenham Festival, which is obviously um, enjoyable. Not so good on, on the betting front, but, you know, it's, it's a great week of horse yeah. racing, which I always look forward to. Um, and should we, should we talk, um, talk Olympiacos or should we leave that? Mm, leave that for another time, maybe. We'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Okay, <laughs> fine. No, no, no worries. Um, you, you, now, you have been cricketing. Um, you've been away on tour, right? That's correct, yeah. There was, uh, there was uh, 25 or 26 of us that um, went from Twickenham Cricket Club and we toured uh, Cape Town um, during the, uh, the peak of summer in uh, the middle of February and it was, uh, it was really, really good. Um, the, the lads and ladies had a really good time. I mean, I've seen the Instagram post and, and, and a few of the videos and it, it did look fantastic. You, you did have a little bit of Manchester rain on one of the days though, no? Yeah, day two on the second game. Um, I think it was the Tuesday of, of, of the week that we were there and we had a little bit of rain. But the one thing I will say, you know, being South Africa, it was it was pretty wet and um, the covers as as true to form when you play cricket blew off overnight. So the pitch was was properly waterlogged. Um, what I will say, though, is with the wind and the sun that happens in, in Cape Town, we, we managed to get a game on around two o'clock and, and you would not have said that there was a drop of rain on, on anywhere on that square or the outfield. It was just it was just unbelievable to see. And yeah, we did actually talk about it in one of the in one of the Instagram posts that we did. But yeah, it was it was truly a, a fantastic tour. Fantastic. I mean, I, I turned into the pitch vision camera because you took all the, all the kit with you and the, the, the real shadows like me were able to watch uh, watch some of the cricket live and I tuned in and I remember seeing people mopping up and I thought hello is, is this a rerun of, of the Middlesex County League in mid-May or something but no it was uh, it, it was genuine mopping up going on um I don't want to go on too much about about this but I, I guess a lot of clubs might be interested in, in in working out whether a tour could be right for them I mean you you organized the tour and I, I saw how much work you put into it obviously being a fellow Twickenham CC member but um you know what do what the clubs need to think about when, when tours are on their minds? How much work goes into this? What, what are the key lessons that you, you drew from it all? Well, I mean, we, we, were, you know, we were quite lucky in that um, really early on, so sort of March last year, we, we managed to find a partner um, who, who's, who's Cape Town Cricket Tours. Um, they, they were able to help us and arrange the whole tour. Originally, we went through a whole bunch of different companies um, that we were looking at to get quotes and they were in the price of, you know, the, the two and a half to three thousand um, pound per person. And obviously, you know, when you're starting to arrange a tour, that that's, that's that's something that's, you know, that's a lot of money that a lot of people wouldn't be able to afford. So we originally started off by doing it on our own. Um, me knowing South Africa relatively well, I sort of, you know, knew a number of the clubs that were over in Cape Town and obviously flying there, um, you know, every now and then to go and visit friends and family. It was uh, a good time of year to go because of the cost of the of the flights. 
and then obviously the accommodation um you know in the world we live in you can price around and um, like I said, it was really it was really funny. I was on Instagram one night and came across one of Ian Cobain's um, Instagram posts. Of, he's an ambassador of Cape Town Cricket Tours, and I, I just you know sort of slid into his DMs, as they say, um, and said to him, um, you know, I'm really interested in understanding more about the, this Cape Town Cricket Tour place. And sort of the fundamentals of it is, um, you know, there's a guy in Cape Town that runs it all, and um, there's there's a, a UK partner also involved, and um, yeah, they helped us through all of it, but. You know, without mentioning the money, because obviously uh, we we want to try and keep that confidential. It was very economical, and it wasn't more than uh, wasn't more than half of that price. So, yeah, there's a lot to take into consideration. The more numbers you get, the cheaper it is. You know, it's economy of scale, the usual things. I'm going to push you on that, though. You. So, what what was the ballpark figure for? So, is 1,500 quid going to get you anywhere near? Yeah, yeah, 100. percent You know, you're around there. You're around there, and that included all of our games, accommodation, our flights. Um, only thing it didn't include is obviously food and 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 drink rehydration while you're over there. What are you telling me, Twickenham CC players, you know that they drink? Nah, they rehydrate on lemonade, Dan. Let's let's go with that. It was okay. it was Fish yeah. I mean, it was it was a fantastic place to go. The the, the pound rand was just, I think a, I think a pint over there was something like depending on where you were, anything from fifty to ninety p for a pint. So that puts it into into perspective. Wow. And um, on the field, um, consistent performances on the field, right? Yeah, consistent performances. Um, played four. Um, it was it was really interesting. We we took a a a very mixed side. Uh, everything from uh, our first eleven uh, right the way down to our fifth eleven, and even some of our vets came along too. Um, and yeah, we were very consistent in the field. We um, we played four and lost four. Um, although two were relatively <laughs> close games. Um, let me let me just state that it was really interesting. Our last game. Um, we were playing against Cape Town Cricket Club and, and we'd obviously given them the context. Look, guys, we've, you know, we're a touring side. We've come over here. We're very much a social side. And this is our first tour. We're sort of just getting an understanding of the grandeur. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We heard that last week from a tour that came across from Devon. And um, they put together, you know, some of their twos, threes, um, and and they got absolutely walloped by the side who had apparently rocked up with their whole first 11. So, um yeah, it was really interesting. Cape Town uh, Cricket Club put together their whole first eleven, and um, yeah, in the, the true spirit of the game, they they played along once we understood uh, that we were, um, you know, who we were, who we were, and they'd seen the previous three results, and you know, we had the likes of Adam Rouse from from Kent who was bowling, for example. Um, he did get a few of us out, so I can't say too much about that. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a, it was a really good tour. Played in good spirit, and many many new friends made. That sounds great. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I, I, I couldn't go on this tour, but um, I've been on previous cricket tours abroad and they're great things to do. If people can get the time and, and of course, the money uh, and the permission uh, to go, then, then I, I thoroughly recommend it. They're great for bringing clubs together. And if, if they're as well organised as I know this one was, then, then they're, they're fantastic things to be involved in. Yeah, you you I mean... did also bring, um, bring a bit of, um, how does one put this? Um, <laughs> coronavirus is talk of, the ta- talk of the town at the moment, but you brought other things back, didn't you? Wasn't there an, an E. coli yeah. outbreak? Yeah, some of the people had a bit of a, a dodgy stomach while they were out there and then they came back, went to the dock here and uh, yeah, there was apparently a bit of E. coli. So obviously a bit of food somewhere along the line that somebody had eaten that was maybe a bit too rare. Um, but yeah, you know, some people like their steak blue. Sometimes it's better just to have it cooked. <laughs> <up there. laughs> yeah, you win some um, lose some, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I will say, Dan, is I heard the best expression and, and we sort of stick into that. Um, it's like, you know, everyone was talking about how great the tour was and one of the guys said to me, you know what, I've been on many, many rugby tours and this is one of the first cricket tours that we've been on. Um, his statement is, do you know what the best tour is? And we all went, well, what is it? And he said, the next one. 
so we're in plan uh, uh, we're in talks at the moment for for doing this again in cape town next year um albeit at a slightly different time maybe an april time frame but again you know if we get the right numbers and the right people with the right attitude we, we might be going out there so um marvelous. yeah we'll, we'll have a look and see marvelous sally you have you been on overseas cricket tour before is, is this the type of thing you no, would love to go though definitely i mean we've been on a group sort of trip with some guys last year to um I'll be able to watch the cricket when England are playing, um, but not actually playing as a as a cricketer, which is something I would like to do actually in maybe in the future. But seeing I've chucked all my kit away because I've hung my boots up, that might be quite hard to sort of find some gear. But I'm sure that could look, be done. Look, Sal, if you're going on a tour with you, you don't need to worry about that. The, the man is kit obsessed. There was new kit okay. for all of the touring party in in, in South Africa. Um, so so if if you're involved, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have good sorted. sponsors. You got to have good sponsors. That's what you got to do. Absolutely. <laughs> In all seriousness, I mean, I was joking a bit about the E. coli thing because people were perfectly fine. They just had a bit of rough, rough stomach. But I guess it would be remiss of us to not talk a little bit about um, the threat that's facing everybody at the moment. That's the coronavirus. Now, none of us are medical professionals. We can't wax lyrical on what should and shouldn't be done to counteract, counteract it. But just to for, for those who are not completely aware, we're, we're recording this on Monday night. Um, and self-isolation is, is the word of the day. Um, and clearly we're moving towards, you know, shutting down the country. And this, of course, makes us think a little bit about the forthcoming season. Um, Sal, have you heard any rumours from other leagues about what, what they might be thinking about this? Only rumours at this time. But, I mean, what's going to happen? Any idea? I mean, I've read a couple of sort of um, Twitter sort of um, feeds which have mentioned, these are not the official leagues, but clubs who play in the league, um, mentioned the possibility of a reduced season in numbers of games. Um, so it could be like a eight-game season potentially. Uh, obviously, nothing's concrete yet because we don't know what's going to happen in two or three months' time. But there are obviously other implications regarding what's taking place at the moment. And we, you know, we mentioned um, on the clubs financially what's going to what's going to be an issue around you know games that are taking place is going to have an impact on the bar takings on player membership. Uh, you've got overseas players. You know, will they be able to come over here in two months' time regarding? which country they're coming from uh, again. And also, I mean, obviously today it's been mentioned about self-isolation for over 70s. I mean, you know, every club's got umpires who are obviously getting on a bit and probably past that age group who, who umpires, you know, all 11s within the league itself. What's going to happen to them? You know, will they be able to mm. umpire games or will they be told to stay at home and clubs looking through their umpires? It's, it's, it's a bit of a worry, but again, we can't speculate too much because obviously we're not experts in this field. And it is, yeah, we've got another sort of well, t- sort of two months to go before the season starts. So hopefully by yep. then things will ease down. Yep. I mean, in terms of the county league, I think that's absolutely right because I mean, I've had quite a lot of experience to China with having familial links there and being be there quite a bit of work. And some of the guys I I've played football with in in Liaozhou, a town no one's ever heard of in rural southern China, that they're starting playing football again now, and that's roughly two months after the the lockdown kicked in. And China went full full Monty on this. Everything stopped, um, and they've had no no new coronavirus cases at all, other than imported um, cases over the last two or three days. So, if we take that as our barometer, that's two months. Um, then, well, as you've just said, the season is two months away. So maybe we'll be all right. Maybe it'll actually be just the right time to start things up again. But I, I think we're going to have to take stock, and I'm sure the league will take stock. We talk for us, not the league. The league will yeah. take stock maybe a month from now, and then we'll have more of an idea where we are. Would that sound logical? 
makes sense to me. I mean, you just mentioned something about the county championship. Do you want yeah. to expand on that? What you said? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I saw, I saw again where all sources of uh, news come from, from, from obviously social media and, and Twitter and the like. Um, I saw some people talking about the county championship moving or being delayed by a month, so almost starting in May but finishing around October time frame. And the theory behind it was. If you have a look at years gone by, a lot of a lot of people have been sitting in their gardens, and these are cricketers that were mentioned in all of this, um, in their gardens mid-October again. I'd much rather be playing cricket now than in, you know, the freezing snow in some instances of years gone by on the, you know, on the 12th of April, where, where, where this league's year, where this year's um, uh, league is supposed to start. So, yeah, it is it is an interesting thought. Um, it does make me think that, you know, if, if the county, you know, if the county championship can do it, will will our league be able to do it? You know, we'll be able to start a little bit later if need be. I know it's two it's two months away, but hypothetically, we start at the end of May and finish at you know the end of September instead. Is that is that going to change things drastically? I think if we get there, then that will be one of the suggestions that is discussed. I mean, the thought of personally, the thought of playing cricket in October does not fill me, that, and this may be because I'm from the north, but does not fill me with joy. You know, I, I, I could see myself losing fingers when I'm going to try, try and take uh -huh. catches. Um, but that, I mean, I think to the end of September, I think, I think that is definitely possible. Um, and that, you know, you could add on three weeks there, couldn't you? Um, but, but, I mean, it's worth, it's worth thinking the county championship starts on, when does it start again? On the 12th April, of April. Yeah, 12th of April. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> a couple of days a, time it feels really like a challenge getting that on i'd have thought um yeah it's, it's, we're it's also in times i guess yeah it's also interesting seeing all the prep that you know all of the county leagues and, and the county sides have gone through i mean i'm pretty sure durham i just read um durham are coming back from their zimbabwe tour early i think kent was over in cape town um there's obviously you know the england tour and a whole bunch of other international games have been cancelled which we'll get to but you know the preparation for all of the county sides has been affected so it's it is it is an interesting dilemma that um, that I'm sure we'll see unfold, and who knows? Maybe it'll be the only sport on TV that we can watch. Oh, don't even go there. I found myself watching competitive <laughs> freestyle motocross last night on Eurosport Two. I'm not even joking either. You know, this is what happens when there's no proper sport on TV. No disrespect to anybody. No, lots of disrespect to people who like freestyle motocross. But um, <laughs> yeah, we we got to get some serious sport on you. Otherwise, I will be just put in the shed by my wife and, and confined there twenty four seven. Um, but yeah, no, that's interesting. And, and I think we, we would, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We've got to keep an eye on it. And obviously, uh, the, the county league guys will, will update when they know stuff and we'll just have to follow, um, follow the BBC uh, and such like, I guess, to find out what the championship are, are doing. Um, so you've been, you've been following the national situation as well. I mean, the national draw, national knockout draw has been made. All of our, uh, or eight of our top clubs are involved in it. Um, do you want to talk us through, first of all, When's that due to start? Uh, and, and who've our sides got? What, what are we thinking about, about the, the progress there? Um, normally it sort of starts um, end of April, early May. Um, so the format this year has changed slightly. They've reduced the amount of sides taking part and limited it to only the top eight from the main leagues. Um, so that's seven of our Premier Division clubs plus Stanmore, who obviously had a good, good year two years ago. So the clubs who are taking part from the Prem this year are Finchley, um, Bronsbury, Ealing, Richmond, Shepherds Bush, and Teddington, along with, and, and sorry, and, and last year the championship, championship champions North Middlesex. Um, and they've all got tough games because obviously the cream is now literally coming to the to the top in this competition. Um, the tie that sort of stands out to me, there's two actually, is East Mosley, who last year won the Surrey Prem, 
um, for the first time, I think, maybe in their history or maybe for quite, well, quite a while. In the yeah, and they're, playing they're not perennial away. winners of it, that's for sure. Yeah, 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 uh, they did well last year. So they're, they're playing home to Richmond, which could be a, a you know, very tough game for our, for our guys. Um, and Bronze, we've got a very tough away, away tie to Brentwood, who are a very strong side from Essex, who again won their league last year. Um, so that's not going to be an easy game for them. I'm, I'm just hoping all our sides can get strong sides out. Um, I know in the past there's been some issues about availability and players being being ready to play and through injuries, etc. And Saturday being more of a you know commitment towards their sort of weekend cricketing schedule. But if they can all get strong sides out, there's no reason why we can't have another good year where you know we've got clubs going to the to the knockout stages as Leading did last year. Um, but again, as it, it, you know, it, as I said. They're now playing against the top side. There's no, there's no easy games in this competition, and it's going to be quite an interesting sort of season to see how, how it develops, really. So, which of our sides do you think have got the best chance in that? I mean, I know that you, you know, you're fishing in the dark there, but I mean, is, is there any sort of clubs you think are well set up to do that? I mean, the, I mean, just, just, I'd say Ealing have traditionally done really well in this, and you know, I, th- I think we've got to go there. Now, I see they got Sunbury first up. That's that's not going to yeah. be a straightforward game. Two very good sides. No. There. I mean, they've. I mean, I've just going by their Twitter feed. They've recruited pretty well so far, from what I've seen. They've added at least three players of, of sort of good quality to their squad. So they keep last year's squad as well and had had those three to it. Then obviously they have a strong style, um, and they and they take it seriously. They, you know, they, it's, it means a lot to them. So I mean, they're definitely the go-to side within our, within our league. Who you'd think could go the furthest? I mean, Tellington in the past have had good some runs. Um, again, yeah, they've had a new director I, I of cricket in too, haven't they? Tennant, Tennant, Abbey, okay. yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Abby Sheikh, Abby Sheikh, Jinjin Waller. Yeah, yeah, he's moved over. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, good cricketer. So I mean, again, it's it, it's all one them ones, isn't it? You know, what's the sort of priority when the season starts? If they get a good run going and manage to win sort of two games in there, almost in the last sixteen, then I'm sure more players want to play and availability gets better. It's more sort of like you know concerted effort around the club to do well in the competition. So again, it depends on I think at the earlier games if they win the earlier games. Then are in a position to maybe progress to to the, to the latter stages, and then I'm sure more players will want to play and be involved in the whole sort of the team. I mean, this is a great competition when it gets to the final stages. I've I've seen Ealing play quite a few times in knockout stages, at semi-finals, quarter-finals, and it's a great occasion. Um, and it's a fantastic standard cricket as well. So yeah, I mean, hopefully we will have a a couple of our sides can sort of push 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 towards maybe getting to the final, maybe winning it, maybe. Mm. I must admit, I think that the format as it now is makes a lot more sense. I mean, uh, the, the only one of the Premier League sides that's not in it this year um, is from, from Middlesex is us. And uh, the, the Premier League sides who stayed up last year, um, we're not fighting anybody about that because we really struggle um, to get decent sides up. We might do it one in the first round, we might do it in the second round, but inevitably it falls apart, you know, otherwise, you know, people are going to end up getting divorced. So, so, so we, we have always felt the national in theory, we loved it. But in practice, we just couldn't do justice to it. And I think you're dead right. I think we've got some sides in there who expect players to, to be able to do justice to it. And if you've got clubs up and down the country in that position and you can knock a couple of rounds out, you know, and there's not going to be as many rounds anymore, then then you'd hope the competition will just become better for it. And I like, I, I, you know, I, I'd love to go and watch Ealing play in the quarterfinals or I'd go and watch Finchley play in the quarterfinals if they got there. So um, I, th- I think we've got more chance of seeing that and the competition's just going to be a bit better for it, right? Definitely. I mean, I'll just add to that, Hampstead also not taking part. Um, oh, Hampstead not, not sure in as well? Why. Oh, I take it back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure the reasons why behind that, but um, 
I think they haven't entered for the last two or three years, maybe. So it's just maybe one of the things where they've decided, you know, they can't get the players out and they'd yeah. rather sort of push towards Saturday cricket. Um, but yeah, so we, we, as I said, we've got, we've got a good, good rafter side who can potentially, you know, keep the flag flying in the later round and, as I said, hopefully win it as well. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Quite. I didn't realise about Hampstead, but I'm sure it would have been about availability. I can't think of any other reason. You know, a strong club like Hampstead, you know, going right the way down, they've got strong sides all the way through. Um, why they wouldn't take part, and it's just it's just so tough, it's so tough to do this. And you know, I, I'm glad to see that the the ECB have done something about this, and this this may fail as well, quite frankly. But it'll fail for the right reasons. They're trying to do something um, a bit different. And of interest, do you know where the final is? I don't know actually. No, I'm sure I can find no. out for the next podcast and let us know. Yeah, I'm interested to know. Because one of the things I'm going to guess it's at Lords. <laughs> no, I don't. I think that's the issue, huge. Actually, no, you're right, right huge. Because last year it was, yeah. Last year it was at Lords. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember that. That's what yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, I take right. it back. Good, then. Good I remember chatting to either Ealing boys and they were talking about gutted and missing right. out on the final. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really good. I think I was away in China. I must have missed that. But um, I certainly remember when you know being an old oldish bar. I mean, Shrewsbury won it in 1983, and I remember playing. They played Hastings in the final at Lords, and it was the biggest thing ever to happen to Shropshire cricket. Well, almost. And um, and I'm you know I think having that final at Lords. No disrespect to any other county ground makes a difference. It's it's a it's a real good place to have a final of a cricket game, and I I think that'll undoubtedly make it um, more attractive. Good, good. Talking of lords, there's a nice segue here. Sal, you said you haven't, you know, fo- football and horse racing have been very much what you've been up to this winter, but you have been doing other things at lords, right? I have, mate. I must have gone mad because I've started putting a white coat. Um, yeah, I decided well, what, to. Um... We felt people with white coats should come and get you years ago, but that's another issue. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> but yeah, so you're gonna be an umpire, right? So I've decided, yeah, I took a part, I did my stage one and stage two during the winter at Lords, um, umpiring, which is really enjoyable, actually. I mean, you learn a lot. It's, it's the kind of thing you turn up as a cricket thinking, you know, every law going and you just, you're quite humbled really by the end of it because there's so much out there you actually don't even know. Um, you, when, you, when you do these kind of tests, they give you multiple choice tests. You're sitting there like an old schoolboy, you know, hiding in the back trying yeah. to work out how many, you know, did I actually get right? And it turns out you got three out of 10 and you're really embarrassed. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's a good course. Um, I learnt loads. I'm hoping to, yeah. So, I mean, not one of the um, course tutors was one of our guys, Bob Pedersen, who's on the panel this oh, for yeah. the last yeah. two, three years now. And he's actually very sort of like um, organised and plans well in terms of umpire at North London. So he's got a spreadsheet with my name added to it with some games I'm going to be sort of taking in, um, in role in, in part in, in part in this year. Um I'm looking forward to that. Um, it'll be a bit of a challenge. I think it's a but, great you know, thing, sure. I, I think more players should do it. I mean, I, I did a level one in the old system about five, ooh, maybe seven or eight years ago. And much like you, I, I turned up and I thought, all right, I know this stuff. I don't know about these other guys, but I know what's going on. And there was always something I didn't know. Um, and, and I thought it was a really useful thing to do. How many, um, how many hours was it in total? Was it like four or five different nights? Or so we work? had stage one was from two weekends, so two Sundays in a row. And right. then stage two was three Sundays in a row. Um, so it's basically, it's five weekends in total. I mean, stage one, you can do in stop and not carry it if you want to. Stage two, you do when you have, to, if you want to um, umpire, maybe at sort of league level eventually, when you have to do, take part in what's called accreditation. But as you said, it's something I'll definitely recommend to players who no longer play. Obviously, it's just good to have, to have the experience of having done the course. doesn't mean you have to become an umpire. But, you know, it could be a day where a club does need someone and they can call upon your, you know, your, your umpiring duties and you just take part and do it. So any player who's retired or is taken a backseat from playing cricket 
I'd probably recommend it. Um, you know, as you know, there's always more umpires needed within the game. Um, we had quite a good cohort. We had sort of, you know, some young guys on there, a few experienced guys like myself and others. Um, so it was a good balance of people on the course. And, you know, a lot of the people hadn't actually even played the game, really. Well, I say a lot, some of them. So, you know, yeah. it's people who have no cricket knowledge, literally, to players who play at a reasonable level and have some knowledge as well. So, yeah, as I said, I would definitely um, yeah. recommend it. Normally, if you go into it, it's called um, Middlesex ACO. Um, go into their website. During the winter, they've got courses running at Harrow, at Lords, at Ealing as well. So, yeah, it's definitely something I would um, recommend to anyone out there who wants to stay in the game. And how many were there when you were doing it? Is it 15, 20, something so, like that? Yeah, around that, yeah. I mean, our cohort was 15, 20. And we actually had a lovely lady in, our, in the course who, in on the stage two, um, lovely lady from Slough. And she, first week, she brought us like a nice box of celebrations. The second week, I was unbelievable. Actually, no, the last week, sorry, she got a cake made with all our names on it, which was like, one, I love Fantastic. cakes. And secondly, it was just like a great gesture from her. So it's amazing that you look at this cake and you've got every single participant's name on this cake. And it was a good cake as well, so it was win-win. Well, you're going to have about 55 people from Twickenham subscribing immediately. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be free cakes handed out. We're all in. Um, oh, that's brilliant. Oh, that's, that's a really nice gesture. Um, so in terms of um, the, the county league, one other thing that occurs to me here is, of course, uh, the AGM passed a new, um, a new rule. Now, you, you, you were there at the AGM. Uh, and this involves well, second 11s and umpires, right? Can you talk us through that? Yeah, sure. So... Um... Stand to be corrected, but the way I understood it was that um, as part of the second eleven uh, league in, I think it's only in the Premier um, League or Division One. Um, if you have a level two qualified umpire that umpires uh, three games in a row or three games per season, um, you get an extra bonus point. So, given that there's, you know, hopefully going to be eighteen um, games this year, if you have an umpire for every single one of those games, that's a, a six additional um, league points that will be, you know, added onto your tally. So. Could be the, the the you know the decision between winning and losing the league or coming second. Yeah, six points. They definitely are worth having, aren't they? Um, yeah, do, yeah. Do you think this will so. work that way? Do you think there are going to be clubs who are going to struggle to, to fulfil that, or do you think it'll just be regulation? Everyone's going to get the six six extra bonus points. Obviously, you don't know, but I'm asking you. You know, what, what's your what's your thoughts? Having played cricket at that level for a while now, I I think every club in you know, looking at looking at um, what the division two or sorry, so division one second eleven looks like, um, I think that there'll be you know qualified umpires in any of them. So, um, I think it's good for the game. You know, we always you know we, we we understand that umpires give up their time to come and umpire and you know assist us because without them the game wouldn't be possible. But you know, making making sure that you've got people that are fully qualified that's really useful from my perspective. And we've gone down the route of making sure that we've got someone this year um, that that's fully qualified up to level two. So. I would assume that every other every other club would be in in you know in the uh, division that we're in. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it because um, yeah, I, I think it'll improve the the level of umpiring and you know those uh, there'll be less grumbles in 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 the change rooms afterwards. Not that there are many, but yeah, there'll definitely sure? be less. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion Dan that people give up their time. If you know everybody makes yeah. mistakes, um, maybe it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> No, I think you're dead right. I think there'll always be grumbles, but if they're grumbling about people who actually know what they're doing, then those people who know what they're yeah. doing will be able to just yeah. look them in the eyes and say, you know, this is the way it was. And um, I, I think it's, in principle, I get it. I think it's a, I think it's a decent idea. I'm intrigued to see how it works in practice. But Sal, what do you make of this? Well, I think what it is, you makes a very good point there. Um, I think if you looked at the average club cricketer on a Saturday who plays, you know, 
which element they might play for, they will probably not know half the laws of the game. Um, and yet they're contesting decisions they probably don't even know the falls and the ins and outs of. Um, so on that part, for me, it was just understanding the game more and knowing, you know, the laws from, you know, law one to law 42. Um, there's a lot to take in. But again, it's just part of them I probably didn't realise, you know, what they were about, really. Um, so you have all these players on a Saturday who are, you know, moaning about why they've not why they've been given out or not got a wicket, etc., etc., and probably don't know the reasons why behind it. So I think it just develops the mind in terms of understanding the game a lot better. Um, so yeah, as I said, I mean, I totally agree with Eugene. Everyone does these games as, as you know, volunteers help their clubs. So there's no reason why this needs to happen where players get sort of annoyed and want to sort of contest decisions that go against them, really which I think has mm. crept into the game more and more over the last sort of few years, really, which is a shame. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think we found that with the use of pitch vision, now pitch vision, I can see why umpires might be worried about pitch vision or, or, or having games live stream, because they might be worried that ultimately people are going to sit in the clubhouse and say, that umpire got that wrong. We found exactly the opposite at Twickenham. And I remember um, in the very first week it was used, someone moaning about an LBW. And I'm not going to mention any names, um, but this, this person came off and, and they said, oh, I was going down legs, ridiculous decision. And we, we had a look back on the, and it was easy to look back. And you know what? It might have been missing leg, maybe. We, we, we weren't sure. We were like, you know, that, that, that's, not, that's not the most outrageous call you're ever going to see. And all of a sudden, the guy, the perennial moaner who's never out LBW was like, <laughs> he, he was shut up a bit. Because all of a sudden he could see that it, it you know, it, it wasn't six foot down leg as he was claiming. And we found that actually that was that was really helpful for um, for dealing with people who were never out because we yeah. could sort of illustrate to them that, you know, that they were sometimes just a little bit blinkered. Um, yeah. And we've all been there. We've all thought we were not out when we perhaps were. But just just occasionally tools like that can be really useful for for, for people who, who, who want to back up umpires, really. But one of the best things I learned from the course was that in terms of LBW decisions, if we when you watch you know when you know when you watch cricket on TV and they have the old Hawkeye and DRS taking place, the system they use for deciding LBs is what you should use in your head. So the first thing is was oh, it right. noble yeah. or legitimate ball. So if you follow that sort of process as an umpire, the same way they show on TV, then you come to your decision, which is something I never have thought of at all. You know, mm. um, but now that's that's something behind it. So it's good. And also when you watch games on TV now, you're watching it more what the umpire's doing in terms of decision-making and sector of, you know, man management, player management, than compared to maybe just watching the cricket itself, which is, again, a good insight onto what you learn from the course. Yeah. I, w I was actually going to ask, Sal, was, was technology actually brought up on the umpiring course or, you know, do people, do they mention, like, listen, there's a bunch of clubs out there that have got, you know, cameras now and you need to sort of block that out of your mind or, 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 or do they say sort of embrace that? They actually didn't mention it, so I'm, I'm sure that's something they might bring in into the near future, obviously, because it's becoming more and more prominent amongst certain clubs and leagues. So I think that's definitely a very good point, and I'm sure they may address that as you know in the years come by. When you two go on it, maybe you might you know uh, come across that. Well, I think that's a fair call, because my, my position yeah. is always I'm not having anybody um, have a go at umpires because of decisions made. What I will do is have a look at the way you bat or the way you bowl and the mistakes that you, you, you've made. Um, because ultimately, umpires will make decisions whether they're right or wrong, but you can affect what you do. You can't affect what they do. And so the tools themselves are, have got to be used in the right way. And it's like any tool. If, if people start abusing it, then, then you know, it leads to carnage. So um, I, I think umpires need to be 
need to be encouraged to see this as being an inward-looking tool rather than an outward-looking one. But, I mean, that's for the future. That's for the future. Yeah. Guys, I'm, I'm conscious we've been on um, around half an hour, so I was going to ask you something a bit left field, um, uh, and I want to get your, your thoughts on this. Um, when you're on tour, use, you, you know, you, you see all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff um, on the cricket field because, of course, tour games are slightly different to league games. But even in league games, you know, you do see um, cr cricket brings with it left field things, left field players, left field individuals. I was just going to flag a question up. What's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen on a cricket field um, that's repeatable to family audience, okay? Um, but, but where would you start? What's the most bonkers thing you've ever seen happen on a cricket field? Uh, um, it actually happened last year, Dan. Um, we were playing a league match, um, and not not going to mention names or who we were playing against or, or what the scenario was, but um, effectively, we were batting with the opposition's umpire, um, busy umpiring. One of the guys bowled a ball. Uh, one of our batters swept it, went straight up in the air over the keeper's head. Keeper ran back and caught it, and um, the the batsman stood, and. We all think, well, hang on, what's going on here? And um, the umpire said, no, not out. It came off his helmet. And it was one of the most ridiculous things is that our umpire was, uh, was, was, was ready to walk off the field saying that that's not the way cricket should be played. Um, and, and we sort of said, well, look, oh, the umpire's made the decision. We can't do anything. But yeah, it was one of the most surreal scenarios that I've ever been in, in trying to um, understand exactly what had happened. I didn't see it happen live. Fortunately, we had a... We had we did have pitch vision and we were able to replay what happened. So you know it was very clear. But, oh, so you played yeah, what happened? It, oh my goodness, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, oh, wow, yeah. I didn't know that. After happened. the game, Dan. After the game, we didn't uh, oh, make I a decision say, there like, and there. I have visions of the umpire coming across and watching a TV screen. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. But um, yeah, and, and you know what? You know what? The the, the the point about this is their players literally just got on with the game. No huff and puff. Right. No, you know any anything. And and I think that's the way cricket's supposed to be played is, you know, the decision's been made, we move on, and I think it's a good philosophy to have because, yeah, I think they almost ended up winning the game, even though, you know, we we, we, we were given a chance, so to speak. But, yeah, one of the most wow. bonkers things I've ever been in, involved in and seen. Left field, indeed. Sal, how about you? Anything that comes to mind? Anything totally left field? Uh, something quite funny happened a few years back now. I mean, we, we had a young guy playing for us, um, I won't mention his name, we played away at Mill Hill Village this was a long time ago when they was in the championship. I'm not sure if you played there before. They've got a bit of a slope that runs down towards lots of trees and bushes. Um, one of their guys hit, hit the ball down towards the boundary. The young guy chased after it, slid to stop the boundary, totally misfielded the ball. So I was totally fuming about the fact he'd given four runs away. And it was quite a warm day. So in anger, he just threw his hat up into the air, obviously, just to chuck it off his head. And they actually got caught in a tree, which he couldn't get down again, which is quite funny. <laughs> Not only was he fuming about the fact he gave four runs away, but he lost his hat at the same time. Um, Not ideal. Down in the end, Not obviously, ideal. but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's obviously not the most. Uh, Funniest story, but at the time it was quite a funny moment. Um, and also, I wasn't yeah. bowling, so it was even better that way. So it's fine. <laughs> How about yourself, well, Dan? Have you had anything happen like that? Yeah, I've got a few. I mean, I guess, guess you do when you're old and grizzled. But um, one of them, I didn't actually see, but it is the funniest thing I remember hearing ever on a cricket field. Um, and that's that um, Twicken and I played at Wembley and we went out to bat in the second innings and two of our long-standing uh, um, guys, Andy Donnell and Gilbert Sanchez, went out to bat. And um, they went all the way out and Gilbert took guard and um, he said, middle, please. And the umpire gave him middle. And then Donners just said, Gilly, can I have a quick word? And um, so they, they met halfway down and Gilly's like, well, what's up? 
He said, um, is there any reason you've not got your pads on? And Gilly was like, <laughs> oh, shit. You know, <laughs> so, so I had to race off. And, uh, and, 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 you know, G- G- Gilly was a man of aging years then. And, and it, race off is, you know, he d- didn't really race anywhere at any time. Um, but he, he had to get off. And, of course, he had to do it quite quickly because he had two minutes. Um, because then, then it was two minutes to be timed out. Um, and oh, and yeah. I'm not, yeah, never quite sure how close he got to the two minutes. But there was, you know, great hilarity while he desperately tried to, to find his pads. And then he put them on the wrong way. And then, it was, oh, my God, it was all such, you know, complete mess. And he just, he literally sort of dived back onto the outfield to meet the two-minute warning. Um, so so that, that was quite an amusing one. The other one was a totally left-field one. Um, a guy I used to play cricket with called Brian Chantry, who's played, uh, played, used to play for Gloucestershire. Um, he's the, the father of Jack Chantry, who, who you may well know. Who's, um, he was a uh, Shantry, uh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Took 300 wickets. And he's a, he's a Shrewsbury boy as well. And um, Brian's the most dangerous practical joker I've ever met in any walk of life. Don't, don't cross Brian Chantry because he'll get you. And one guy um, played a practical joke on Brian when they were away playing for Shropshire. And you just knew Brian was going to get him back. So this, this guy, Adam Byron, walks out to bat for Shropshire in a minor counties game. And he gets halfway to the crease and he suddenly stops and he, he looks at his gloves. And he suddenly realised something's not right with his gloves. He flings them to the ground. And, and Brian, who's a big fisherman, has put a whole <laughs> pack of maggots in his glove. Oh, uh, oh his dear. gloves. And they're everywhere. They're going up his trousers. They're going, and, and like, let's just say, I mean, this is a minor county's game of cricket, mind. Um, and, and Adam Byron, I, I learned a few new words. Yeah, a few new words that day. <laughs> that sure. like Anglo-Saxon terminology that, that even a man of the world like my good self had never come across before. So that was quite funny, watching him try to de-maggot himself. Um, oh. before going out to bat for Shropshire against Berkshire, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, that was relatively amusing. For it could everyone be worse, else, Dan. Dan. Yeah? It could be pointing to box, on. mate. No, I mean, imagine there was in his box. That could be a lot worse. I, you know what? Shan said that. He said you got off lightly. And, and it was sort of a warning. You know, you know there's only ever going to be one winner in this game. And I know that's yeah. just a starter for 10. <laughs> but imagine that, though. God, no, let's, let's not imagine. Oh. That's not a good way to, yeah. to end the pod. Um, so yeah, use those would be my two, uh, my, my two left field ones. But we, we'd welcome feedback on this, guys. If anyone can can help us out with surreal things they've seen on uh, Middlesex County Cricket League um, fields, then we'd be we'd be really pleased to hear from you. Do do drop uh, drop one of us a line. My my contact details certainly on the Twickenham site. I'd be really pleased to hear from uh, hear from you guys. Last thing, folks, England's tour to Sri Lanka has obviously been cancelled. Um, and what 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 is this? You don't know the answer to this. I'm going to flag it up anyway. What's this going to mean for international cricket over the next few days, weeks, months? We're not going to see any, obviously. But um, are, are we going to see a rejigging of um, World Test Championship fixtures, all that sort of stuff? Have you have you heard anything on it? Not not, not on my part, Eugene. Well, no, 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 nothing. Um, I mean, nothing South Africa's yet. tour of India has been cancelled too. Um, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Is there's pretty much there's no there's no sport going on at the moment. Um, for, for the right reasons, obviously. We, we've got a sort of pandemic that we need to deal with. And when these sort of things you happen... You must be gutted, though, um, I mean, you know, you've just battered Australia in a one-day series. Yeah, we did. 3-0. It was fantastic. I know. I mean, you, you, <laughs> now's the time. South Africa are coming back. And then all of a sudden, you've got three months of no cricket. Yeah, yeah. Before I round up, folks, um, one last thing. We, we haven't, as of yet, got a league sponsor. We've been looking. And I know the powers that be are very open to, to more or less all ideas, uh, you know, within reason. Um, and I think if, if any of our listeners can possibly um, help out there, if they've got any ideas, any suggestions, then then certainly uh, Bob Baxter, uh, Nick Brown or, or Sal, myself or you should be, be keen to hear more from that. It's vitally important that the league 
um, gets a sponsor uh, for financial implications for everybody. So, um, uh, so, so do do have a think if there's anyone out there who may be uh, may be able to to help out. And and also on that point, Dan just mentioned in terms of the podcast, we are back on um, a regular basis from now, hopefully, um, about our winter break. We have got some great guests lined up for the next sort of few weeks, but anybody who would like to come to the podcast and those of anyone who's interested, then please, again, get in touch with either my Dan or, or Eugene and we'll try and accommodate in the near future. Good stuff, Sal. Very true. Yeah, and, and just to underline, we have had a little bit of a sabbatical, but when the season gets up and running, the aim is to have, you know, if we can, uh, a pod a week, talking through results, talking through good performances, talking through bad performances, talking through ridiculousness as and when it appears. So, um, you know, uh, the, the, you will be slowly but surely hearing more of, from us as, as the, days, uh, the days grow longer and cricket gets just a bit nearer. In the meantime, fellas, thanks for your company and uh, we'll speak again soon. Will do. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, Sal. Cheers. Cheers, Dan. Bye-bye, guys. Cheers, guys.